The History of the World podcast, written and presented by Chris Hasler. This is the History of the World podcast, unscripted. Hello everyone, welcome back to the History of the World podcast and thank you for catching up with us while we're going through this transitional phase uh, between the first section of Volume 4 and the next section. Uh, basically, we've just had a couple of months off really, there's been a lot going on in my own personal life that I've had to look after, um, things that I've done and uh, I have been writing, don't worry, I have certainly been writing during this period so I've got a good bank of episodes ready to be rolled out. Um, as a consequence, you'll be pleased to know that we're um, we're going to be probably publishing our next proper episode in two weeks' time. So there's you've got you've got like a target now to sort of look forward to, and uh, it's been a long time coming. And I apologise for that. I apologise. I've, I've sort of been out of the country, um, been travelling around a little bit and looking after one or two things myself. And now I'm sort of back, ready to go again. Um, just to let you know, and I think I've mentioned it a few times in the past, that one or two um, of of the episodes that we're going to be publishing um, are going to be outside of the normal timeline. And this is because one of the History of the World podcast Illuminati rewards um, are to commission your own special episodes. So we write them and we just include them in with uh, with with the other podcast episodes essentially but we distinguish them by calling them special episodes and uh, so we've got a few coming up actually um we've got the the first episode which i believe that we're going to be publishing in two weeks time will be about the Khoisang cultures of africa which is an incredibly important um culture that um really dates back to the beginnings of of humankind uh, of modern humankind we could say so like in terms of the um the relationship between human uh, haplogroups um which is essentially how like how we speciate from each other as human beings uh, the Khoisan are the most distinct humans in the entire world and uh, that's sort of hard to get your head around, but we'll explain that a bit more detail uh, during the episode. Of course, the Khoisan um, play a very relevant part in the politics of uh, of South Africa these days, and uh, and also Botswana as well as Namibia and and southern Angola. So there's a lot of African countries that um, are, that have a relevance to this subject as well. So uh, it will be incredibly interesting to cover that talk that topic um other episodes that we're going to be commissioning is going to be like a whirlwind history of crete 
which uh, has been a challenge, I can tell you, to try and squeeze that into one episode. There's such a lot to tell with the story of Crete, uh, not least of all um, going right back to its uh, ancient uh, trade significance. Uh, the, the, the first major culture of Europe was centred on the island of Crete. We've already covered it during this podcast, the Minoans. And then right the way through to the role that Crete played in the independence of Greece and the Greek Civil War, um, very, very significant um, in terms of its identity um, in relation to its uh, mother country of Greece. So that's going to be incredibly interesting. Um, so, And you're going to need to sort of focus in on that one because there's such a lot of history to tell in such a short amount of time. We're creating an episode about this um, volcanic winter of the year 536. When we look at... So, so some people describe the year 536 as the worst year in human history. And uh, there was, um, there is significant evidence of there being a volcanic winter um, that was caused by an eruption in and around and probably in the year 536. Although we haven't been able to pinpoint the exact location of this eruption, there are theories that we can sort of dip into. It's going to be one of those mysterious episodes, a bit like the late Bronze Age collapse, where we're looking at evidence and, and trying to point our finger into, um, into, into the right direction in terms of where this, uh, this strange uh, event in history actually came from and, and it's not talked about a lot and it's um, so it's going to be interesting to see uh, to look at the evidence and, and to monitor the potential impact um, when we look at the history of the 6th century so uh, that will be good we've also had a recent request um, for an episode on the New Neverland um, which is which was the one of the first colonies, uh, European colonies of North America, and of course gave us uh, New Amsterdam, the city of New Amsterdam, which we know today as New York. So we're going to be looking at the the origins of of the whole region and and the city of New York, uh, which is very interesting because um, I, I I I go to New York um, quite frequently myself, so. Um, so very relevant in terms of um, sort of my my passion for for American history, and um, then also we've got a couple of episodes that relate directly to Volume Four, so we're going to insert them into the Volume Four story. So they'll be the first two episodes when we return to Volume Four, which will be episodes twenty nine and thirty. We're going to be looking at uh, two. You could say they're they're somewhat interconnected. Um, two sort of cultural um, developments of the medieval world. And firstly, we're going to be talking about um, the communications of the medieval world. How did people commute, communicate, um, and um, and all of that sort of thing? How did messages get passed between kingdoms and Although there's not much direct evidence, there's a lot of evidence that we can summarise an opinion about what we think might have 
been the case and uh, certainly pieced together. So it's very hard to generalise because the world is such a vast place um, and we find that some places advance quicker than others globally. Uh, we, we will see that in the other episode about medieval weaponry where um, certainly the resources and the requirements for advancement of weapon development in the medieval world um, was different wherever you went in the world, whether it be the Far East, whether it be the Americas, whether it be Europe. So quite interesting to um, to look at that and uh, and talk about it and open our minds to the possibilities of what was going on in the, in the world of our ancestors. So that's all to look forward to. Um, listener messages and reviews I'm not going to do today. I'm going to do that tomorrow. So there's going to be a couple of back-to-back um, unscripted episodes. So this one is today's and then in 24 hours time we'll be releasing another one. Um, I'm going to take the opportunity today just to fill in a gap uh, where a couple of people have, have, have asked me questions. So this is also a reward for the History of the World podcast Illuminati members, where um, if you if you don't uh, want to spend all that money in commissioning a special episode, there is the, the means to be able to ask me a question that I can answer over the, uh, over the, over the airwaves for you. Um, one of the questions so so sometimes i get i get asked questions which i really struggle to answer just because of my lack of knowledge and sometimes there's a lack of information out there um so i'm going to be sort of tackling um another question tomorrow as well but this uh, this question for today uh, is going to be about the country of switzerland diane Timmerman from Utrecht in the Netherlands uh, wrote in to say, um, how do you think Switzerland succeeded to make a pseudo-federal state so early in history? Or is there not much difference with other communal alliances in the Middle Ages? Um, well, in order to answer that question, I need to sort of probably explain the origins of Switzerland um, and somewhat so it's quite a unique country in terms of um how it was created how it advanced and and survived throughout um the the ever-changing world of europe and and how it's still somewhat a unique country to this very day so let's have a look at how switzerland was formed and try to answer that question so if we look at the nature of Europe during the late 13th century, we see that Europe was somewhat a, a very disjointed patchwork of administrative divisions with loose agreements and um, essentially, you know, di- different degrees of, of overlordship. It, it was very, very, it was very, uh, it was not uniform, let's, let's put it that way. And and essentially, the big players of the um, of of Middle Europe were the Holy Roman Empire and and uh, what we may refer to as um, the the German culture of of Middle Europe. They were the, they were the kingpins really of Europe, and everyone was sort of um, wary of of their overlordship, and um, they were the powerhouses of Middle Europe, and. Um, 
what we found is is it around Lake Lucerne, um, which is sort of within the modern country of Switzerland, there was a um, a town called Schwitz, um, which is still there to this day, of course. Um, and uh, the town of Schwitz is is where we um, where we get the modern name Switzerland from. So Schwitz was very fundamental in terms of uh, striking up alliance, an alliance with two of its neighbours. And Schwitz in itself was a canton, which is like a very small administrative division. And um, the Federal Charter of 1291... Um, formed an alliance between three of these forest cantons which were Schwitz and, and two of its neighbours Uri and Unterwalden and um, they basically formed a pact against the aggressions of um, the the Holy Roman Empire now the local enemies of the, of the Schwitz were the Habsburgs who were um, who were representative of, of the German um, confederacy if you like um, the Habsburgs had taken over the Duchy of Austria which was uh, somewhat it was elevated uh, to to the status of a duchy and 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 at this stage was was becoming quite powerful under the Habsburgs um, and so the Schwitz were very nervous about this um, and um, very you know very willing to sort of stand up for themselves and make sure that they were not uh, consumed by this Habsburg ex like expansion, and um, and it ended up in in quite a significant battle. When the Habsburg uh, Duke of Austria Leopold the uh, First was um, was within the territory of the Schwitz uh, in three fifteen, the Schwitz and their and their allies uh, ambushed uh, the Austrians, and um, and this resulted in the Battle of Mortgarden. Uh, of Mort Garden. And um this in this battle uh the Swiss were victorious over the Austrians and this further consolidated um this uh this pact or this this alliance between the, the three forest cantons of Schwitz, Uri and Unterwalden. Um and um this really was the nucleus of, of the nation that we know today of Switzerland and, and it was really just their their really their sort of robust um ability to defend uh, their own privileges that enabled them to resist this mighty powerhouse of the Habsburg um and um and maintain a, a degree of independence. So this is sort of also the notion of the old Swiss confederacy of these this alliance of cantons that became the old Swiss confederacy and uh, and their reputation grew as as quite military or militarily uh, capable uh, of defending themselves. This battle took place in in around three fifteen. Then what would happen is uh, these is other local. Um, cantons would be, begin to notice um, an opportunity here to sort of link up with um, this this confederacy um, and and the sort of the confederacy of it's sort of compacted to an area called the the uh, the Vogtstetter, 
which is the the nucleus of um, this alliance and and other um, other cantons would want to seek to be a part of this so that they would um, further um, embolden and strengthen this Swiss confederacy against the aggressions of the Habsburgs. So over the course of the 14th century, we would see um, cities such as, um, or districts we could call them, such as Luzerne, Zurich, uh, Glarus, Zug and uh, Bern become um, a part of this confederacy. And um, with all of these additions came uh, a great military capability that was demonstrated very well in 1386 at the Battle of Sempach, where uh, Duke Leopold III uh, of Austria um, went into battle with the, with this old Swiss confederacy with all of these new additions to it and uh, were categorically defeated by the Swiss. And um, this is where the Swiss really got a reputation for being uh, some, you know, significant military power. Um, they didn't really seek to expand in any way, just look to defend their their position. And um, you know, so Swiss mercenaries were were in demand after this point. You know, so sort of people, the kingdoms, neighbouring kingdoms, started started noticing what was going on and uh, really thought, well, we need these guys on our side. So essentially, the reason why Switzerland succeeded as a nation is because of this um, old pact, this old agreement that never ever got overthrown by anybody. This um, ability to defend itself very uh, like highly considerably they they sort of were able to maybe take advantage of the valleys of the of the landscape that they were within and uh, and and be masters of their own territory um with a considerable amount of ability and and a, and a, and a mutual hatred towards the habsburgs uh, and their aggressions um was able to um allow this area to succeed where other areas of Europe were maybe overwhelmed by the Habsburgs they never really could um, could conquer the Swiss the Swiss confederacy they were so um, they were so tightly uh, tightly sort of allied to each other and their cause and capable of doing it and I think they were the factors that that enabled Switzerland to succeed. So anyway, that's uh, that's really my take on the old Swiss Confederacy and 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 why it succeeded. Um, you could go into an awful lot more detail, couldn't you, about it? But like that's just like a, a sort of a blanket overview. Um, but anyway, uh, thank you to Diane for such an interesting question. Um, anyway, I'm going to wrap up for today. Uh, tomorrow we're going to be answering another question and we're going to be looking at some of the listener messages and reviews. Of course, if you want to have questions answered or you want to commission special episodes, don't forget to consider um, signing up for uh, to become a member of the History of the World podcast Illuminati. And you do that by going to the History of the World podcast.com website, clicking on the Patreon link and then uh, going through and, and signing up to make a monthly contribution as soon as you accumulate the relevant milestone, uh, we can start sending out the rewards. I've had considerable amount of, of um, History of the World podcast merch 
arrive at HQ here with mugs, keyrings, badges, magnets, t-shirts, you name it, we've got it. Um, we uh, we also have a merchandise website which just needs updating, but you can certainly get merchandise that you can you can purchase yourself if you go to the History of the World Podcast.com website and click on merchandise, you can actually get um, a, a range of products there that have got the History of the World podcast logo uh, on, certainly for Volumes 1, 2 and 3. I just need to create the, the Volume 4 merchandise for those who, who want to maybe purchase uh, a, a gift for a friend or, or anything of that nature, any, or even a gift for yourself. Um, but anyway, that's it for today. Uh, until tomorrow, thanks for listening and be good. The History of the World podcast, written and presented by Chris Hasler. Please consider making a financial contribution by going to the historyoftheworldpodcast.com website and clicking on the Patreon link. Email the show at historyoftheworldpodcast at mail.com And don't forget to join our social media at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr. See you next time.